Moses was told today that God is Lord over flesh. He's Lord over diseases, everything. This is a fascinating study. We're going to look at it in just a moment. It's going to be interesting. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, taking you through the Bible in one year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. And as we do that, it becomes something interesting to look at. Corey is here. Corey, what's going on? Today, I'm going to be taking a look at ancient mud bricks. Ryan? Today, I'm examining the account of Moses' first encounter with God recorded in Exodus chapter 3. All right, very good. Look forward to that. Janice? A snake by the tail. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully, uh, well, anyway, we know that Moses didn't like snakes either. That was fascinating. Anyway, uh, okay, so open up your Bible guide, turn to this passage in Exodus chapter 4. We're going to study it and look at it in just a few minutes, but now let's hear what God says to Moses. Exodus 4, 1 through 9. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, Now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, Put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again, and drew it out of his bosom, and behold, it was restored like his other flesh. Then it will be, if they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the latter sign. And it shall be, if they do not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, that you shall take water from the river and pour it on the dry land. The water which you take from the river will become blood on the dry land. Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Exodus 4, 5, 6, and 7, as we continue reading through the Bible in one year, Thank you for joining us, and I hope you are appreciating the idea of going through the scripture because it is something else. Now, as we focus on Exodus chapter 4, I want to ask a question. When we believe that the odds of accomplishing a task are insurmountable, God often takes us down a path of impossibility. Insurmountable impossibility. God moves our lives and actions to do his will. Now, there are many ways we can describe the miracles that surround us when we submit to his call. The best way I can describe how I felt when God called me to accomplish something impossible was stunned. 
It's absolutely impossible, I said to God. But then the Lord spoke to me and made it happen. We are typically shocked when the Lord does something like that. I remember asking, but how'd you know that God? Faith is the one thing that is in our soul, which we must constantly keep exercising. Put your faith in Jesus Christ as the Lord. He is the solution for every problem. I, I don't know how he does it. I mean, if you want to ask me how God does it, I don't know. But I know he does it. And that's how he answers prayer. A lot of times we don't think that uh, our prayers are answered, but we have to wait a minute because they are answered. Maybe they're just not answered the way we want them to be answered. Very interesting. Take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage. If you don't have a Bible guide, my question is always the same. Why not? I'll send you one. Just write to us or call us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on the Bible guide. It'll take you to a donate page. Thank you for your donation. And then it'll take you to a page where you can download the PDF file, bring it up on a PDF player, and uh, you'll see it. And just like we printed it, beautiful guide, and we're all set. And it's designed to lead you through the most important book of all is the Bible. So I want to encourage you to read the Bible with us, to go through the Bible and, and remember that these 15 verses that we study or nine verses that we study today, 10, that we are just taking a section here. But as we do so, let's pray and ask God to teach us his way. Father, help us to understand the signs and help us to get it, Lord, because there are some things that we need to see and do, some things that you've called us to do that we need to respond to. Help us to respond to those things, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen. Make it so, Lord. All right. As we go to the scripture, we learn that this. Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice, he says to God. Now God is talking to him. And this is what Moses says to God. He says, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they will say, the Lord has not appeared to you, Moses. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. It's a snake. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand, take it by its tail. And he reached out his hand and he caught it and it became instantly a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. I find this amazing. God showed Moses that he is Lord over all things. God is the same yesterday. God is the same today. And forever, he is Lord, capital L-O-R-D. He is Lord. That's important to remember that the Lord is over everything. So we need to understand that. Moses was trying to hear that, but he really didn't get it yet because we read on more about Moses and what he said. Verse six, furthermore, the Lord said to him, now put your hand in your bosom. So he took his hand, then he put it there and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again and drew it out of his bosom. And behold, it was restored 
like his other flesh. Then it will be, if they do not believe you, Moses, nor heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the latter sign, the earlier sign and the later sign. God showed himself Lord over the flesh of man. You know, God still does miracles today. We must learn to have faith to believe. We must learn to have faith to believe. And a lot of people are saying, well, I got to have faith now. I got to believe. No, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Remember that Jesus told us, if we just have faith as a mustard seed, just a little bit, then we can say to a tree, get up and go into the ocean and plant yourself and it'll grow. See, the, the point is, we just need to believe a little bit and God will do the rest. Faith as a mustard seed will grow. That becomes very important. And that's what Moses did. He was being shown how God is the God of miracles. Now look at the last part of the scripture because this gets really interesting. And it shall be, this is verse nine, and it shall be if they do not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, that you shall take water from the river and pour it on the dry land. And the water which you take from the river will become blood on the dry land. Now, here's what's interesting. God showed himself as Lord over all of the so-called gods of Egypt. You see, God is still the Lord over all the plagues of Egypt. God and all the plagues today and tomorrow and forever. That's what the plagues were about. A lot of people don't remember that the plagues were illustrations against their gods. And we need to understand what the Lord was doing when he brought these plagues on the land. And by the way, it wasn't until the seventh plague that another rod is used. Moses' rod is used. Isn't that interesting? You got Aaron, then you got Moses' rod. But it wasn't until then that things started to really change. Now, remember, God made a difference between the Egyptians and the Israelites. What was it that God wanted? Simply wanted the people to be freed and let go out of slavery, national slavery, so they could go worship their God. Pharaoh just needed to let the people go. He, he wasn't asked to give up his money, wasn't asked to do all these things. Pharaoh was asked to let the people free, go free. That's all he was asked by God, not by any man, but by God. And beloved, that's exactly what God did. And he gave him 10 chances and all 10 chances Pharaoh just, I mean, he just turned his back on God. He just, no way, I'm not going to do it, not going to do it. Even when he said he would do it, he didn't do it. And this is what we have to understand, beloved. If we consistently turn our faces against God, then we are going to lose as Pharaoh lost or lost because it's important. And so, beloved, today, if there's people in our lives that are turning their face towards God, we need to pray for those people's hearts to break and to know the Lord. Father, that's what we pray for today. Break people's hearts so that they will know that you are the only one who can heal and who can help them. In Jesus' name.
Now, in Exodus chapter five, the Pharaoh tries to make the Israelites pay for Moses and Aaron's bold behavior in his presence. So he he basically is saying, well, if you want to be released, you clearly don't have enough work to do. So I am now not going to provide straw for your quota of making mud bricks. Now, this was a devastating thing to say to the Israelites, and you and I are about to find out why. Mankind has always looked to the world around him to survive. Building materials are no different. Caves, rocks, trees, and mud have all been used as natural and convenient resources to build shelter for basic living, protection, and awe-inspiring feats of architecture. The most accessible building materials vary from region to region, but one of the favorites of the Near East has always been mud. By amending already existing soil, long-lasting mud bricks can be created. Historically, these have been used throughout the ancient Near East, appearing even on the pages of the Bible. Beginning in the early chapters of the book of Genesis, bake mud bricks are cited as the building material of choice for the Tower of Babel. The enslaved Israelites in Egypt were employed in brickmaking and farming, and famously the Pharaoh of the Exodus punished the Israelite brickmakers by refusing to supply their straw while demanding the same number of bricks be made. With several other mentions of mud brick in the Bible, and the physical remains of mud brick found all over the ancient Near East, their usage was commonplace and their production essential. Though today more modern materials are generally used in building projects, there is at least one reconstruction project that required an archaeological experiment to preserve a crumbling site. At ancient Tel Rehov in the Egyptian Nile Delta area, archaeologists set about to preserve a site by creating their own mud bricks to build supporting walls. The project was carried out in 2013 and served to not only preserve the site, but also test out just how how the ancient process would have gone. Using known ancient methods and scientific analysis of existing mud bricks at the site, the ancient process was mapped out. First, topsoil was collected and mixed with water to create mud. Second, straw was added to the mud as temper and mixed in by foot. Straw chaff is what specifically would have been used, procured either from threshing floors after the harvest or collected from fields. Either way, the straw would have been chopped into small pieces before adding to the mud. It gives the bricks an underlying structure that has been proven to create stronger, longer-lasting bricks. Third, the mud mixture received a good daily mixing by foot for several days and then was left for a few days to ferment. Fourth, the mud was then pressed into molds of the desired sizes and laid out on a floor dusted with an anti-sticking agent like sand, dirt, or more chaff. After a week of drying in the sun, the bricks were ready to use. In construction, mud bricks would be held together with mortar, and often the finished walls would be plastered over to create a seal of protection against the elements. Now, just like today, exact production of mud bricks could vary from region to region, and their drying could even be accelerated by baking in a kiln. 
So there we go. It was nearly an impossible task. You absolutely need quite a bit of straw or other material in order to make the, the, the mud bricks have structure that will last to be actually usable. So it's really interesting whenever archaeologists do experimental archaeology. Uh, it's, it's so amazing because they just learn so much and they're able to use then, um, they're able to explain then using real world experience how things worked in the ancient world. So it's always very awesome when they're able to do that. You know, in today's culture, it's, it's the separation between those who believe and those who don't believe it. There's a clear difference between the two. And that's happening in the scholarly world too. And you find that fascinating because it affects how you study. And so how mm -hmm. people believe, that's how you study. Very interesting. Ryan? All right. Well, I know today's assigned reading is Exodus chapters four through seven, but I want to go back a chapter to chapter three because it's here where Moses has his very first encounter with God. And for the first time, God reveals his name. I am that I am. But who exactly is I am? It had been a daily routine for the past 40 years. Moses had been shepherding his father-in-law's flocks in the land of Midian. And this particular day was no different. The now 80-year-old Moses, as he had done many times before, led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the Mount of God. Then, on what was an otherwise ordinary day, the extraordinary happened. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Through this first and most dramatic encounter with this figure, Moses would learn, first of all, that this was none other than God Almighty, the God of his fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Secondly, to Moses' dismay, he had been chosen to deliver his people, the Israelites, from the bondage of the Egyptians. But who should I tell them sent me, Moses asks. I am who I am, he responds. Therefore, tell them I am has sent me to you. In other words, I am self-existent. I am the eternal God. I am Yahweh. It is highly significant that Jesus of Nazareth referred to himself a number of times as the great I am. In fact, Jesus uses this expression in two primary ways both of which echo the Old Testament description of Yahweh. He uses it in a simple predicate construction, such as I am the good shepherd, as well as in the absolute sense, without a predicative expression, so that it is rendered simply as I am. Jesus employs this absolute sense several times throughout the Gospels, particularly in John, although many translations add the word he, rendering the phrase I am he, or change the phrase completely to it is I, in order to avoid an awkward reading. However, this term is not at all present in the original Greek text. For example, in Matthew 14, 27, when Jesus is walking on the sea, he speaks words of comfort to his terrified disciples. Be of good cheer, I am he, do not be afraid. But in Greek, the word he is not present. So literally, Jesus said, be of good cheer, I am, do not be afraid. Also consider John 18, 6, in which Jesus again confesses that I am he. Again, in the original Greek, Jesus simply says, I am. And these words uttered by Jesus caused all those present to physically draw back and fall to the ground. Jesus' repeated use of this phrase in the absolute sense draws on Exodus 3.14 and other Old Testament passages where the phrase clearly refers to God. In using the expression, Jesus is explicitly identifying himself with Yahweh asserting his eternality, self-existence, and changelessness. 
and claiming to bear Yahweh's presence on earth, a claim that is undoubtedly confirmed through his death and resurrection. So there you have it. And due to time constraints, I could only give a few examples, but there are other passages where Jesus refers to himself as I am in the Greek text. And I encourage you to check this out for yourself because it's a really important study, especially when we as Christians are required to defend the deity of Christ to others. You know, many religions today deny that Jesus is God, but according to scripture, Jesus Christ is God, creator, Lord, and savior. And he is the great I am. And if you haven't accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior, please consider him today. He truly is the only way, truth, and life, and no one can be with God without him. We can't make it to heaven by our works, only through the perfect work of Christ. So don't wait. Come to him today, because none of us know how much time we have left. In fact, we don't. And uh, I remember my father growing up uh, would doodle. You know, he'd write down whenever he was on the phone or something. Mm -hmm. we'd do, and we'd always write, Jesus is Lord capital L-O-R-D. And I always wondered what that meant until I got, I encountered the Bible and I became saved through Jesus Christ. I realized what he was writing. And uh, I think that's important to remember that Jesus Christ is Lord, fully mm. God, mm. And fully man, both. And uh, we, we can't understand it. We don't know it. But, you know, it doesn't fit in our mind of logic, but nevertheless, it is true. Uh, there's a lot of things that we can't logically reason out that are true. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it come, becomes very, very important. Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen very to that. All right. Janice? This is one of those segments, Rod, that I, I, I'm looking at and I, I don't even know where to begin because there's so much that's packed into it. Uh, snake by the tail is what I called it because we see this encounter that Moses has with God and he's asking some legitimate questions. And actually, if I put myself in Moses' spot, I can see a lot of similarities and things and excuses that I've used with God before as, as well. But, um, you know, Moses asks this question because God is asking him to do something for him. And, and Moses says, but, but suppose they will not believe me or, or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. And so God starts to say, okay, well, what's in your hand? What's in your hand, Moses? And he says, well, it's a rod. It was the staff that he would be walking with. So he says, well, throw it on the ground. And all of a sudden, this, this rod becomes a serpent. And Moses, he's afraid of it because it says, and Moses fled from it. But that wasn't enough. God said, I want you to pick that up by the tail now. So now something that Moses was terrified of he has to now do what God says and pick it up by the tail. He didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't have the next verse written for him like we do to say, ooh, I wonder what happens after that. Does the, does the snake turn around and bite him or what happens? And what happens is that he picks it up and it becomes a rod again. And it's a sign for Moses to use. And, and in this, this way, I said, you know what? There's going to be times when we need to step out. And we need to reach out in our faith to accomplish what God has called us to do. That rod and snake scene, he was afraid to take. And then God told him to pick it up by the tail. That took faith and it took bravery. It took trust in God. And you might feel like you're in a situation or you can look back in situations in your life where you felt like you were picking up a snake by the tail. And, um, you know, we can, I can make another branch here and say that, you know, serpent, we associate with Satan. 
with the devil at the beginning of time that spoke to Eve and deceived her. Uh, we can talk about um, Cain when he killed his brother Abel and the Lord said, sin is crouching, evil is crouching at the door. You've got to get away from it. We read in the New Testament that we are to flee from evil. We are to flee from sin. In this same way, Moses was fleeing from that serpent and yet we are not um what am I, do you see where I'm going yeah. with this, Rod? We have been given the right by God when he calls us to a purpose, when he has something for us to do. We are commissioned as believers, as disciples of Jesus Christ to take that and live that in our lives. And sometimes it can be very difficult. Sometimes we're afraid that people are not gonna believe what we say. We are afraid that they're not even gonna hear us or that they're gonna say, you don't even know what you're talking about. God isn't even real. Listen, that's not our job. Our job, it wasn't Moses' job to change the heart of Pharaoh, was it? It wasn't Moses' job to, to change everybody's belief. It was. It was Moses' responsibility to do what God was calling him to do. And it's God's responsibility. It was God's plan to speak to Pharaoh. It was God's plan to reveal who he was, meaning God, I am, to the people of Egypt, to the people of Israel, to make a distinction. And still today, God calls us as his disciples to speak the word of God, to share our testimony, to be the light in a dark place, to be his reflection in this world. That's what we're called to do, to speak the words, to take the snake by the tail and do as we are commanded to do by God. And it is God's Holy Spirit then that does the work and has done the work. We need to be obedient to what God has called us to do and he will do and has done the rest. He will speak to the people that he needs to speak to, but we need to do that action so that he can move because God is the I am. You know, I love YouTube. It's a great place. And uh, we have a channel there called Pastor Rod Hembry. I want to invite you to come to the channel and watch all of the responses to the questions that we are asked on Ask the Pastor. So it's Pastor Rod Hembry on YouTube. Go there and you can find it and uh, subscribe to it and get the teachings of Psalm as well. Today we need to pray. And in our closing prayer, we'd simply say this, Lord, help me to have the faith to believe. In Jesus' name.